the optimal life. Miss Lindsay June. Yes, my love. Welcome to your favorite place in the world, the Optimal Life Podcast. It's been a while. I, I think about it. Last year, we were here talking about our dry January. Oh, my God. You're right. Yes. It's been and, uh, 13 months. Yeah. And, and here we are again. January. Dry January led to a dry nine months. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dry 2023 for you. Oh, my goodness. Because Crazy. in February of 23, we found out that you were pregnant. Yeah. And uh, and then fast forward, of course, uh, the rest is history. We ended up having the baby in November of 23. And she's now three months old, pretty much uh, as of the other day. So, wow, it's crazy how fast it goes, right? So fast. It's wild. I, you know, everyone tells you, go so fast. It goes so fast. And I was mentally prepared for it to go fast. And I'm still surprised at how fast it's going. Yeah, it's wild. It really Um, is. And speaking of, this is why we wanted to come on and talk about this, because you had such a unique experience and you did something sure. that most women, at least in today's day and age, it seems like most women either don't do because they don't know anything about it. They don't do because it's taboo and they're scared and they think it's crazy. Or maybe there's two, three, four other reasons. But there's let's just say that most women don't do it. Don't do what you did. And that's no. have a natural home birth. So let's talk <laughs> about it. Let's go. Let's get right into it because that's the purpose of today. So um, take us back to your story, maybe even before the baby, before you got pregnant. What were your thoughts about when you were able to envision yourself one day having a baby? Were you thinking home birth or were you thinking hospital or what were your thoughts pre-pregnancy? I have to say I... You know, I was not raised around anyone that I knew that ever did a home birth. Uh, The closest thing to anything home in my life was my cousins were homeschooled. So and even then I thought that was weird. And, you know, because it wasn't something that happened a lot. Um, They turned out just fine. They're all successful. They're all intelligent, you know, Um, and so home birth was never something that crossed my mind. I don't think I even knew anyone that did it. Never heard a story, nothing. And, you know, skip ahead a little bit. When COVID hit, you know, I think it made everyone kind of question the general health industry to begin with. Um, and I still even then never thought about a home birth. But then as we were trying, um, I started to think, man, you know, I, I don't know if I want these people in the hospital bothering me. You know, you hear these stories about how you have a baby and they come in every two hours and, or they tell you that you haven't had your baby fast enough. And the more and more I read about it, I was like, there's gotta be a solution. And the second that I found out I was pregnant before I even told you, I thought to myself, I could just, I could just do this here. Why can't I just do this here? You thought to yourself, when you found out you were pregnant, something went, that that was one of the first thoughts that you had through your mind was you, you fast forwarded nine months, essentially. Yeah, that fast. I, I just knew from everything that I had read in the health industry that I wanted the least amount of interventions possible. And let's backtrack a little bit here too, for those who don't know that are listening, 
I work in the OR. So I'm an orthopedic sales rep. I work in, you know, hip, shoulder, knee surgeries. I touch in some trauma, sometimes urology cases. So I'm actually in these surgeries with doctors, anesthesiologists, nurses, and, you know, I've seen great work from great teams. Don't get me wrong, but I see interventions happen and intervention is where one thing happens that leads to another, that leads to another. Um, and I just knew that if I was in a hospital, somebody else is, has control at the end of the day. Um, they may say that it's my experience, but I knew that there's gotta be a way there's, you know, I just, I just figured, and I was pulled. I had this really strong feeling from the beginning from God that you could do a home birth. That was literally the idea that popped into my head. I, I, I honestly, I see you getting a little choked up even talking about it. It's that strong of a feeling. Yeah, it was just something that was so foreign, but so strong at the same time. So for and let me, me just let me just interject real quick, babe. The fact that you had that thought, which this is the first time I've ever heard that, that you had that thought immediately, you, you find out that you're pregnant and it's holy cow and it's all this, it's exciting, it's nervous, it's all these crazy emotions, I'm sure. And one of the first thoughts that's intertwined in that is you fast forward to where, where am I having this baby? That's how much this was weighing on your heart. I mean, that's a very unique thing, I think. To yeah. feel to feel that way, like for that to be a thought, that that's something that you would think most people would think about, okay, a few months into the pregnancy or later down the road. But for you to have that thought right away before even telling me that you're pregnant, mm-hmm. that that shows you how intense those thoughts and feelings were brewing inside of you. Yeah. And you know, equally at the same time, I shut it down and said to myself, No, that's crazy. Mm. So you it was almost yourself, like I had you said a to yourself that, you had that thought and then you kind of wanted to suppress that thought and said, no, what am I thinking? I'm, I'm going to just do this the traditional way. Correct. Interesting. Correct. Okay. So go ahead. So from there, obviously I, you know, we found out, we told a handful of people and the hunt was on to, I knew I didn't want an OB because an OB is someone, in my opinion, who is there for the high-risk surgeries, right? So someone who's diabetic, who has preeclampsia, who you know has these pre-existing conditions going into their pregnancy or throughout their pregnancy that they find early on where they are going to need someone with that level of intelligence and experience. So I knew that I wanted a midwife from the get-go. And so I started to look for um, a midwife. And I searched and searched and ended up finding one through a local hospital system here, obviously, as you know, and said, okay, well, you know, this big hospital system promotes this midwifery industry and quote unquote natural births. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to see how it goes. And I also chose someone completely on the other side of town. Obviously we're on the East side of town and I didn't want to work with anyone or give birth with anyone in my bubble that I work with. Mm -hmm. And I work with the majority of hospitals in this area, including both downtown campuses. So I just wanted to fully have our own experience, my own experience. And I knew that my thoughts and feelings about wanting to be quote unquote left alone, which I know you heard me say time and time again throughout my pregnancy, I just want to be left alone. I'll let them know if I need them. I'm going to write on the board, 
leave me alone. (laughs) Um, So I knew that, you know, I wanted to be far away. So we chose someone far away, (laughs) 30 some minutes away. But to me, I, I was comfortable in the fact that that wasn't going to be in my backyard and I wasn't going to be judged on the decisions that I did or didn't make. And I could just fully enjoy the process by being somewhere where nobody knew me. So when was your first appointment with her? Uh, Do you remember? It was nine weeks because nine I couldn't weeks. get in at eight weeks. And that was when we heard the the first heartbeat. Okay. So nine weeks. Yeah. You have the first appointment. Yeah. And take us through, I mean, thoughts, feelings, uh, uh, initial reactions, first impressions, all that kind of stuff. You know, being that I, you know, we talk back and forth. She says, you know, you get to know each other, right? Uh, you know, how do you feel about this? Do you have any thoughts or worries or concerns? The whole thing. And I knew that technically I was going to be a geriatric pregnancy because I was going to be delivering when I was 35. So I wasn't 35 at the time, but I knew that that was going to come up. 35 and, and old, 35 and over is considered geriatric pregnancy, just in the medical yep. industry. Okay. It is. And for that, they recommend, they say that you have a higher risk of many things, one of them being preeclampsia. So they suggest that you take baby aspirin. I believe it was from weeks 12 to 16 or 12 to 20. Don't quote me, but something around something around that time frame. Um, and I had told her then also that I was interested in a natural childbirth. I wasn't sure that I wanted an epidural and that I, I didn't want to be messed around with needles. I didn't want my child to have vaccines. If I wanted the vaccines, it was going to be on my time schedule, not hers. And I communicated those things from the beginning. And I had also, gone down a rabbit hole of researching all of that epidural side effects of an epidural, the benefits of an epidural Pitocin, you know, the pros and cons of that. Um, you know, when you, when it, when you become the patient and you're no longer the person that's working in the OR, you start to think about things a lot differently than that flight or, or fight instinct when you're in the OR and you do need to intervene because something's happening with the patient or something goes wrong. You, you start, you look at things from a different lens and you know, the other lens, which most people don't. And, um, it being my first time too, I was just wanting to set myself up and the baby up for the best possible outcome. So when she says to you, Hey, aspirin and these things and are are these things that are red flags that are going off in your? How do you start feeling? I know that every little thing is probably starting to push you further and further away from this whole traditional hospital setting. Yeah, at that point, I knew it was coming. Um, I had heard from a friend who. What do you also, mean? What do you mean you knew what was coming? I knew that she was going to suggest something or have some comments about geriatric pregnancy, which Mm -hmm. she's supposed to tell me that's part of her job. That's not anything against her. Um, And I knew that that was, so I knew that was coming. I was curious to see her delivery, especially because I had told her, you know, what my thoughts were and how I wanted to proceed. Um, And immediately I knew that I wasn't going to take that baby aspirin. I knew that God made me I'm sorry. Tell it why. why you, first, finish your sentence, and then I'll ask you. You said you knew that God made you pregnant. What were you going to say? 
I knew that God made me pregnant and that I have every capability, you know, to, to do this. And I'm going to continue to pray over my pregnancy and pray over my body, pray over this baby. And I'm not taking the baby aspirin. If something's meant to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm not going to intervene by introducing something into my body that I don't feel is necessary. I'm going to supplement other places. I'm going to make sure that I'm taking the best vitamins that I can, that I'm doing the most exercise that I can, and that I'm making sure that my mind is right. And those were all things that went through my brain, my entire pregnancy every day, just about every hour. So what am I? Yeah. So the, the ask, what, 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 for people that don't understand, what is it about the aspirin? You kind of maybe answered it, but what is it specifically that you were like, there's no way I'm, I'm putting aspirin in my body? Why? Why were you so against that? Just because I'm against a lot of those things to begin with. I, I never used to be. Um, I would pop Advil all the time when I had a headache or this or that. Um, and ever since I became pregnant, I really started to look at things in a different light. And I'm sure that there are people that take the baby aspirin and that's okay. You know, that's what they choose to do. And as long as they're, as long as the individual that is pregnant has all the information that they need to make their decisions, I respect any decision that someone makes, any woman makes. But if you are just doing something because someone suggests it, especially considering everything that's happened the last four years in this country, I just think that overall, the well-being of individuals doesn't exist anymore and you have to look out for yourself. And so you have to do the research. And even then that's hard to do these days too, because so many things are censored and suppressed and you really have to dig and you have to question the resources and all of these things. And so for me, I knew that if I was going to get preeclampsia, I was going to get preeclampsia. I wasn't, it wasn't going to be because I took baby aspirin and it didn't work. I just, I trusted. What is is preeclampsia? That's when now I don't even know the details of preeclampsia. I'm I'm pretty sure it's when you retain fluid. You oftentimes have an early pregnancy. You have the baby early. Um, that's what I remember of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also didn't entertain the idea. I didn't want it to flood my mind to turn on those receptors to make my body vulnerable for pre- preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my personal belief. I'm not out here saying if you don't think about something, it's not going to happen to you. That's not true. But I wasn't going to dwell on something unless it was actually happening. So for me, I turned it off. Um, and she did ask me in my upcoming appointments after that, am I, am I taking my baby aspirin? And I lied to her. I told her I was. Oh, wow. I told her you I was. Told her, why, why did you lie? Why did you feel obligated to not tell the truth at that setting? Again, it's a pressure situation. You're not doing what they're telling you to do. And I remember having a conversation with her early on. And she said, if we go back and forth and there's certain things, enough things that you say no on where I'm concerned for your well-being, then yes, we would dismiss you from the practice. But that's simply for our safety of our practice and, and yours. And I said, okay, I respect that. So I just didn't say anything. I just wow. told was and continued on and kept praying that every four weeks when I was going that I wasn't going to get preeclampsia and we weren't going to have this discussion again. Interesting. Okay. So, so that was, uh, you said right around all the way up to 20 weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, 20 weeks leads into your, um, your sugar test, right? So I'm sure that anyone that's listening to this, that's pregnant or is thinking about 
being pregnant or a home birth has crossed that bridge too, right? Um, all of the toxins that are in these drinks that they make us take to spike our sugar and all of this crazy stuff. Um, I had some anxiety about that too. I thought to myself, I'm already not taking the baby aspirin and you can refuse the glucose test. You can, it's some practices will have an issue with that. Some won't. Um, I did want to, and this is also my first time ever being pregnant. This is, I'm a first time mom at this point. So I'm questioning my intuition. I'm questioning the, 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 you know, the midwifery practice, I'm questioning what I'm reading, you know, all the time I'm just going in circles. Am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? You know, and eventually I just kept listening to my gut and I kept following my heart and I, I would always pray about my decisions that I was making. And the morning I remember she handed me my glucose test at my 16 week appointment with my bag, with all my stuff in it that they always give you for updates and how you should be feeling and what to expect, et cetera. And I kept it in the back of my trunk. And the morning that I was going for the test, I stopped at Whole Foods and I bought an organic orange juice because I knew that you were supposed to have 50 grams of sugar X amount of time before your test. And I said, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm not taking this drink. I'm going to have a natural form of sugar because it doesn't matter if it's natural sugar or synthetic sugar, your body still sees it as sugar and I'm going to do the less toxic route. So I drank the orange juice and I didn't tell her, Mm. didn't tell her that I didn't drink the drink. I told her that I had my drink when I was supposed to have it and I got my blood work back and everything was fine. Wow. Why do they want you to take the glucose? Why don't they just say take an orange juice? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. I think because I here's the conspiracy theorist in me that pops up sometimes. Maybe because they're <laughs> getting money. Maybe because they're getting money for the drink that they're pushing for people. They buy it. They sell it. They. I don't know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I question everything at this point. Um, and at that point too, you know, I. I still wasn't thrilled with her. I wasn't, I wasn't, she was very nice, a very nice woman. I just, I still kept feeling pulled to why am I doing this? I feel like I could just do this at home. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I doing this? I don't need her. Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And I just kept saying that to myself over and over and over again. And I remember telling her at one of my appointments too, I think it was my 24 week appointment that I didn't want an IV port when I got to the hospital. And she asked me why. And I said, because I don't think I need it. I will drink water. I will bring bone broth. I will bring, you know, electrolyte drinks. I don't need you guys to give me a saline drip. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. And she said, well, in an emergency situation, it's just ideal that you have that in case we need to give you something for this or that. And I understood what she was saying, but also at the same time, I'm not unconsolable to the point where you can't put an IV in me if I'm, if I'm in a lot of pain or something's going wrong, ideally that should not take long. And again, it's just a gateway. I just, I kept seeing it as a gateway for them to have interventions and for them to take me in a different direction, possibly not for sure. There are success stories with hospital births, plenty of them. But in my mind, I just was like, I don't want this. I don't, I just want to be left alone. 
Wow. So you're going through this. You're you're more than halfway through the pregnancy at this point. You just mentioned the 24 week appointment. You're getting yeah. close to finally coming to a, a conclusion. Like, hey, I'm not doing this. Do you remember when that was? When is that moment where you're like, I am a hundred percent just I'm doing my I'm following my gut. I'm going against the grain and I am going to do this at home. So I think you remember when we went to Columbus for the Morgan Wallen concert and I had told you I was getting dizzy and I didn't understand why I thought, okay, maybe, and I had had a couple minor spells where I had gotten dizzy and I remember I would work out and then I would get dizzy. So I thought maybe it was because I worked out and I would sit down immediately and put an ice pack on the back of my neck. There were a couple of times that you or no one was home and I didn't want to fall over, you know, being 28 weeks, however far I was at that point. And I remember bringing it up to her. I'm sorry, let me backtrack. We went to the Morgan Wallen concert. You and I were there and I told you that I was getting dizzy. And I said, I needed some water and a Sprite. And you were like, okay. And I think you remember I stood up and my ears started ringing. I started seeing white fuzzy, like a TV from 1950, if you could think of scanning between stations. And I remember my legs feeling weak as I remember I was holding on to you and I thought for sure I was going down. And I, I remember you said you were going to go get water for me. And I said, no, I need to come with you. Mm -hmm. And so that was an instance and immediately I drank the Sprite, put the water on the back of my neck, and then I was fine for the rest of the night. And then, and I told her about it at my next appointment and she said, okay, well, let's monitor it. You know, my vitals and everything were fine. My blood work came back fine. The, the couple times that it was taken, supposedly, I didn't ask what it was at the time. The hospital system was switching their computer system and charting system. So I didn't have access to my charts. Um, so I never really knew what my levels were. Um, and then fast forward to 30 weeks, we had our maternity pictures. And if you, I know you remember, cause I'm pretty sure you are scarred. We were standing there doing, doing the maternity pictures and I literally collapsed. Yeah. You blacked out. You were gone for about 20 seconds. It was insane. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. And I knew it. I was, I could feel my body uh, start to get like hot and um, almost, I don't know, it was strange. I, I vividly remember staring at the ground and then I remember you saying, babe, babe. And I, I was awake. And at that point I you thought were, you were awake and you were giggling. It was the wildest <laughs> thing. <laughs> it was, it was mind, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're, you're kind of smiling. You're out. We thought you were joking. You're, yeah, not, you're not responsive for 10, 15, 20. It felt like an eternity. 10 seconds feels forever when someone's yeah. passed out like that. And then you picked your head up and started giggling. Right. And I remember at that point when we got back and a couple days had passed and I had my 32 week appointment and I told her then, and she said, okay, well, I can refer you to an an ecologist, an echoologist. I'm probably butchering that. I don't know what it is. It's someone basically that checks your heart rate and it's not a cardiologist, it's something yeah. else. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had said, okay, you know, give me a few references. Mind you this entire time. I think you remember me telling you that I wanted a doula and I just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And my friend 
had another friend that was a doula and she said, just have a conversation with her. Just have a conversation with her. So I leave my 32 week appointment and I'm just getting to the point where this is getting real. The birth is not that far away. I still don't feel comfortable. I don't, I don't feel like I have someone in my corner besides you, of course. And I made the phone call to my friend's doula friend. And I remember I was sitting at the local shopping center up here and I had just gotten my nails done. They had a conversation with her. I sat in my car for 45 minutes and he had a conversation with this doula. And I literally felt like the chains were broken and someone understood me. Someone felt the same way as me. And I finally felt comfortable getting ready to have this baby. Wow. It took eight, almost eight months at this point. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're seven and a half plus seven and a half months, whatever it is at 32 weeks. And it took, and, and, and you've been fighting with yourself internally every day. Yeah. Going research and this and that, and trying to figure it out and trying to still just do the traditional way because that's the only way. And then seven and a half months in, you finally talk to this doula and, uh, and everything changes for you. And I remember you came home and you told me that day when I got back from work and you said, I had this conversation today and I am, I, I I'm almost positive that we're doing this thing at home. Yeah. She had said to me, she said, I told her, she asked if I was doing a hospital birth or a home birth. I said, I don't even know what to do with a home birth. I don't even know who to talk to. And she said, well, she said, Lindsay, if you, if you're at least open to a conversation, I will refer you to somebody. She said, just have the conversation. She goes, I don't even know if she'll take you at this point because you're almost 33 weeks. She said, but it's worth a conversation. And I said, okay. And I immediately sent the text following that same conversation to this midwife, this, you know, in-home midwife. And, um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I knew that I finally felt like I had a doula. And then I, uh, you know, I think if you remember too, around, um, what was that? Russia, Russia, Sharma, your cousin had just had a home birth. And I remember it coming up at the table and it was a, oops, you know, so-and-so is in labor and, and it came up that she was having a home birth. And I immediately, without hesitation, said, good for her. I hope it goes well. And that was another sign for me. So I, all of this, all of these small signs that I just, I kept suppressing, I kept suppressing the calling for me for so long. Wait, wait, and then yeah. me, when she asked I, you, go ahead. And then I finally had that call with the in-home midwife and I really, really felt like, oh my gosh, okay, this is it. This is it. I hope she, I hope she takes me, you know, we, you, you have this conversation with someone and you're so far into your pregnancy for, for an in-home birth. They want to make sure that you've been doing all of the work that you should be doing to have a baby right? You're taking all the right things. You're, you have the right mentality that you're, you know, you're exercising, you're stretching, you're, you have a support system, you know, so it's so important. Nutrition, supplementation, all that. Yes. So, you know, you go down this whole path and they want to make sure that you understand this is not a hospital birth. This is not the same thing. You do not have epidurals. You do not have Pitocin. You do not have this. You do not have that. You know, we are going to do this the way that 
nature and God designed us to do this. And they want to make sure that you fully understand that. And our conversation, my conversation with my midwife was so impactful. I felt like she knew me better after an hour conversation than my hospital midwife knew me after 32 weeks. I have several questions that I want to just go back on that you mentioned that you touched on. My first question, though, is when you talked about the passing out things and and fainting, what was it about those episodes that was causing you? You were trying to link it to the fact that this the midwife at the hospital. Well, I I didn't make the connection. What was it about those episodes that was pulling you even further away from the hospital? Because to me, I felt like she should have been she should have said, let's. Let's draw your blood again. Let's check your levels. Let's see where you're at. Let's see if something's low. Let's see if something's high. Let's just, let's check before I refer you to another doctor, oh, right? Okay. My vital fine, but what does the inside look like? That didn't even come out of her mouth. Mm, okay. I thought so that you, that was shocking. So you were disappointed in her reaction to the, to these episodes. You weren't getting much from her. Yeah, I felt like her referring me to another doctor wasn't the solution and she wasn't exploring anything else. So then you said you had the conversation with a doula. What exactly is, for those that don't even know what a doula is, how do you define what a doula does? I would say a doula is someone to educate you on your body, what to expect with birth and to be your coach right? So someone to learn what you want from your birth, what you want for you, what you want for your baby and what you want for your experience. And that is a whole nother podcast in itself, but for you to just really conceptualize and, and mentally prepare and all of those things for what you're about to encounter, because it is such a life-changing moment. And I firmly believe that everyone should have a doula. And when she said to you on that call, that 45-minute call, hey, are you considering doing a, a hospital versus a, or or a home birth? The fact that she even asked you about the home birth had to be what riveting for you. Like somebody actually is saying she's, she's normalizing it. She's saying, are you considering one or the other? Yeah. And I didn't know that she had two hospital births and two home births herself. So... You know, we talked about her home birth and she told me about her two hospital births where she had interventions and horrible experiences. And one of her children still has an issue from how he was birthed by the doctor. And, you know, it's led to thousands of dollars in chiropractic bills. And I, you know, you just hear about all these things over and over again that so many people just say, oh, well, this happened. It's not a big deal. Oh, I had a C-section because my heart rate dropped. Oh, I had this because of this. And I just know after hearing so many stories and researching that it doesn't have to be that way. And I didn't want that for myself. And so I was just so grateful for my conversation with her because it truly catapulted me into actually diving into what I truly believed in versus me doing what I thought everyone else thought I should be doing. So weeks 33 through 41, you've made, you end up having the baby at 41 weeks. So you've got eight weeks basically now at this point, mm-hmm. we didn't know exactly, but, but at, when you made the decision at 33 weeks, 
mm-hmm. and you talk to your midwife and that really sealed the deal for you. Like I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember she, uh, not to cut you off. She, I had a 34 week appointment because at that point, when you hit 32 weeks, you start having an appointment every two weeks. And I had an appointment at the hospital for the, or at the, at the women's group, the midwifery through the hospital that day. And then I was going to see the in-home midwife right after. And she had asked me if I knew my blood results or anything like that. And I said, no, but I was going to my appointment that day. So that day I sat there in the exam room and I asked the girl that was checking me in what, what my original, what my blood work was. I didn't know. And I probably should have asked. It's not their fault, but I also didn't think you know, again, I'm a first time mom. There's so many things that I just didn't, I, you know, you in retrospect, I should have asked more questions, but also you feel the pressure. So either way I asked her what my blood work was and I recorded it on my phone as a voice note so that I could take it to my in-home midwife who I was about to meet after this appointment and give her as much information from a medical standpoint so that she could understand the things that I didn't know off the top of my head. Okay. So I took them to her at 34 weeks. I sat down on her couch. She's got this nice little office. And it was just so, it was so chill. It felt so right. The window was open. I remember she was rocking in her chair. She has like a rocking chair in her office, which is awesome. She's sipping on some drink that I could tell had something in it, which I now know is electrolytes from my birth. And, um, we just connected again and she said, okay, I, I will accept you. And I, it, it was, it, we, I felt like she, I can't even articulate the relationship and the respect that I have for her. She made me feel so good and she didn't try. She didn't try. She was just being herself. And we were so like-minded and on the same page. And I could tell she was so knowledgeable. She's delivered over a thousand babies and she literally was sent to me. She was sent to me from God, 100%. She's delivered over a thousand babies in the comfort of their own home. Correct. And so at 34 weeks, you bring her the results and then she says, okay, I'll, I'll accept you. I, I, I've interviewed you. I've questioned you. I don't typically take patients this late, but you are, you seem to be completely ready for this. Yeah. And a lot of it was the mental part, right? I knew that I had to be prepared. I had to do the mental work, which I think is what you were alluding to before I cut you off. You know, weeks 33 through 41, I was starting to do different um, stretching. I don't want to say yoga because, I mean, I guess some of them are yoga poses, but I've never been a yoga person. Um, I started to do stretching. I started to do Christian hypnobirthing, which I think is a huge, huge part of my successful home birth is the fact that I was mentally prepared. I, you know, you change the word, you don't use the word pain, which I remember you bringing up a couple times. And I had told you, okay, we're removing this word from our vocabulary for the last trimester. And we did. And, um, you know, you switched to things like intensity or this or that. And, um, when you, when you finally feel confident in your decision and the route that you're taking, you can switch to a different level. And I think that when you're mentally prepared for anything in life, but specifically this, you can, you can have a successful story. 
what was what exactly was the hypnobirthing? Is it, it you were listening to? Hypnobirthing is just coaching, right? It's it's reminding yourself to stay calm. It's reminding yourself how powerful your body truly is and how powerful you are, right? The way that you talk to yourself, it is all connected and it connects to your baby and it connects to your experience. And just being able to know that you're going to have some intense moments and that's part of the process. It's okay. You're going to get through it. And at the end of the, at the end of it, you're going to have this beautiful, beautiful person that you've been waiting so long for. And you're, you're going to be so happy. Mm. So these, these last few weeks, you're literally doing mental mental gymnastics, mental exercises, mental preparation, every single waking minute. Yeah. You're I mean, preparing yourself mentally. What are the thoughts? Give us some of the thoughts that were going through your mind as you're preparing. You know, I, I mean, I do have a pretty high pain tolerance. I'm a pretty mentally strong person to begin with, but I, I mean, I was going through some adversity at that time too, as you know, you know, my dad's, my dad who has had ALS for nine years is, is coming towards his end of life. You know, we had some adversity with another death in, in the family and some other things. So, you know, I'm really trying to channel my energy into I'm going to have a successful home birth. God has made me this person has given me the ability to carry my baby to this point, And he's going to see me through it to the end. You know, I'm listening to scriptures and to hypnobirthing in my car when I'm driving at least for 20 minutes a day, um, coming home, lighting candles, relaxing, getting the yoga mat out talking to myself, envisioning how this is all going to play out, you know, having this vision in your head and being able to implement it and just truly running through running that, that hamster wheel of the scenario over and over again to, to make sure that I'm as ready as I can be and to make sure that my mentality is right going into this. And you, one of the things that you did is you really didn't tell many people that we were doing this. Because right. you didn't want you didn't want a, a, a more outside noise. You felt like the more people that know, the more that's going to infiltrate my peace of mind. Correct. And I think that so many people. I'm sure that there's so many women listening right now that would die to have a home birth, but their mom might be like, what? Why would you do that to yourself? Are you crazy? You're going to hurt yourself or the baby or maybe there's their partner who is scared also has it's never crossed their mind. It's their first time. Maybe it's their second time. And they think to themselves, we can't do that. You can't do that. What, 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 you know, it's just such a foreign thought here, especially in the United States that I didn't want anyone's two cents. No one, I didn't even tell my own mom. She didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, my mom had her own stuff going on with, with my dad being close to end of life, but I didn't want, I didn't want to tell anyone because I didn't want anyone's two cents getting into my mind. I didn't want any fear to infiltrate um, any fears that I already had. I had talked to my in-home midwife about, and we addressed them and we had a plan for, and she's trained and knows that if she sees certain signs that, okay, we're going to be transferred to the hospital and that's okay. Your water breaks on November 14th, 2023. 
Yeah, we were watching dog. Yeah. <laughs> and let the games begin. Little did we know that this was going to be a almost 24-hour experience. From the point that your water broke to the point that the baby was actually delivered. Yeah, and you know, being nine days late, I was working all the way up until... I even worked the morning of that my water broke. I just knew that I had to stay active and I had to just keep, you know, I, there is a point where you do have to relax a little bit. You have to let the baby know that it's okay to come it, you know, I'm ready for you. I I remember saying the entire last week, uh, you know, that, that nine days, you know, I'm, I'm ready for you. We, we want to see you, you know, you can come anytime. That may sound crazy to some people, but telling your body that it can let go and that you're ready to have this baby. It's a, it's a real thing. And it does, it does help. What's the experience? Like you start your water breaks and then you start your contractions of several hours later. Uh, Honestly, that evening. I don't even think my contractions were several hours later. They were pretty quick. I mean, my water broke at 7.30 and my doula was here by midnight and my contractions were two minutes apart at that point. They were, they were here. They were full force. I remember my water broke. I reached out to my midwife and she said, I'm currently delivering a baby. Keep me posted. And I thought, oh my God, here we go. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, but I knew, okay, well, I'm going to have my doula. She's going to be here. She knows. And, you know, in this in the in-home birth industry, everyone has a backup and they're all equally qualified. They all have the same mentality. You know, they all believe the same things and have some very similar practices too. Um, and so I thought, oh no, but I also thought, okay, maybe she'll birth that baby. Maybe she'll, and then she'll, then she'll come afterwards. I'll be right. fine. I labor anyways. I don't need her here right now. Um, and again, being a first time mom, I didn't expect my contractions to get that close together that fast. Um, I had read about, I did, I, as you know, those natural birthing classes, I'm telling you anyone that wants to have the most natural birth they can hospital or in-home birth. And this is a free advertisement for mama natural, but follow her on Instagram. Mama natural has the best birth course. I understood how the baby was going to transition through my pelvis. I understood what I was going to be feeling. I understood. I, it just, I knew what I was prepared. I knew what was coming. And when my contractions started, I remember telling you, you should get some rest. And I tried to lay down. And if you remember, I couldn't lay down and I ended up in the bathroom laying on the floor. Like I was a drunk college student. I just be on the floor. It was, I just, and I felt nauseous and it did end up throwing up. And I, um, I told my doula and she said, okay, that's a sign of active labor. And then she came over. Yeah. And, and I'm going to set the stage for the rest of the experience, but then I want to hear the thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and the things that you're talking to yourself through as you're going through it. But the doula comes, it's midnight. The doula is there till early in the morning. You're breathing, you're going through your stuff, which we want to hear about. She has her backup come in because she had something else to do. So as you mentioned, so the backup doula comes, who we ended up bonding with very, very nicely. And the midwife had her backup initially there in the morning, the one, not the one that you've been talking to since week 33. She right. was busy delivering someone else. She had her backup there in the morning, but come the afternoon and you still weren't in full active labor yet. 
where the right where you're actually pushing um she the, the your midwife that you've been talking to was able to get there so that's the whole process you know that's that's basically the the whole day but talk us through it what is going on in your head because you are in in this you're you're you have no advil you have no what is it pitocin what all this type of stuff you have no epidural none of this stuff talk us through the whole experience and, and the thoughts and feelings and emotions that you're going through yeah so you know any woman knows what it's like to have period cramps right so for me it was just intense period cramps um nothing that I thought was completely unbearable. So I thought to myself, okay, this is going to get worse at some point. This is, this is, this is nothing. This is, this is fine. And my doula was teaching me how to breathe intentionally breathe through the contractions, right? So you have to breathe out, which I'm sure you heard me all night long. I but still have those, <laughs> those sounds in my head every day. It's <laughs> incredible. To breathe out. <laughs> Breathe through the baby so that the baby is moving and your contractions are intentional. And um, so I'm doing that throughout the entire night. And um, again, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, I can tell them getting a little more intense, but I'm still thinking, okay, this is going to get really hard at some point. Like this has to get really, really hard. You know, this, you hear all about how labor is the most intense thing and this and that. And I have had this, I had this bar set so high of how intense and how painful it was going to be. And it, oh, there she is. And it literally, I kept telling myself, okay, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be intense and you just have to keep, you have to ride the wave right? So your contractions come in waves. It's not like I was in labor, straight, hard pain for 24 hours. You know, it's one of those things where I'm sitting there that, you know, they asked me if I want to get off the floor, but the floor was the most comfortable for me. So I have my doula there, the backup midwife. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I wonder how long this is going to be in my head. I had planned for 20 hours, you know, your first baby, it's usually a little bit longer. And I knew that it was, I was, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm, I hit transition yet. There's no way I hit transition yet. So transition is when the baby transitions down through your pelvis and you're ready to push. So I just keep laboring away. Uh, the sun is rising. And at that point, like you mentioned, I have a backup doula and a backup midwife. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I don't know either of these people. I, I'm sure they're great but I don't know them. They don't know me. They don't know my story. I'm sure they've gotten the rundown from my original team, but who knows, you know? And well, I just want people to realize though, though, that at this point, you've been going, doing this for six, seven, eight hours at this point, or every couple minutes, every few minutes, you're feeling those contractions. They, they might not have been whatever you thought they weren't going to be. You thought that, that they weren't as intense as you had envisioned they would be, but it was, yeah. you were breathing through the, uh, you know, you're pushing, yeah. you're breathing, you're, you, this is not like you're sitting around from midnight to six in the morning, <laughs> just hanging out. I mean, this That's, is, uh, you are, you are literally in, in labor. I mean, you're in, uh, uh, I guess it's labor, right? Yeah. You're in labor. Yeah. In, yeah. So you're, you're, you're in some, you're in some, I don't know what it is, but it was not an enjoyable state. Yeah. <laughs> That's it correct. It wasn't an enjoyable state. Do you want to grab the baby real quick and we'll just pause it and then we'll continue? I, I don't know if she's. I can't really hear her, but 
okay. She's, she's okay. okay. All right. And if she does, we'll just pause it and then come back. But yeah. um, okay. So yes. So I, I, I just wanted people to realize that you're, you're saying that you had envisioned it was going to be something different, but yeah. Boy, when I was sitting there watching you and and listening to the doula coach you, you seemed like you were in some good deal of agony already. Yeah, I mean it was intense. Don't get me wrong. I I have the I have the tendency to downplay things. That's just my personality. But yeah, I mean it was it was intense. It right. it wasn't like I was sore the next day from working out or anything like that. It 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 was intense. But I knew that transition was going to be the hardest. That's what I had learned in my birthing classes. And I was anticipating that. So for me, that's what I was anticipating. So I guess fast forward a bit, the sun comes up, you know, we're, we're hitting mid morning and they're encouraging me to have bone broth and drink water. And I'm one of those that when I feel nauseous, which I did feel nauseous throughout my labor, not intense nausea, but enough to be annoying. And I really wanted nothing to do with it. I just wanted to put my head down. I felt like I was kind of drunk and I just wanted my head down and I wanted to just get through it. And I wanted to get through transition and I wanted to get to the point where I was going to push. And at this point, again, I still have my backup team and I'm, I'm in my robe, like a robe and sweatpants. I think I was in most of the day, wasn't Mm -hmm. I? I mean, it was very, Casual. I, you know, was listening to my hypnobirthing. It was playing throughout the entire time I was laboring, and um, and they I, had you moving around. You were you were moving around different places throughout the home. You were yeah, in the they, bathroom, then you were in the bedroom. You even went downstairs for a little while. They had you walking the steps. Yeah, you, so you were doing all the things. Yeah. <laughs> so once the sun came up and we got to mid morning, my doula was like, okay, let's, let's get you moving a bit because we want to encourage the labor to get to that transition. You want to push your body to get the baby out. Right. So that, that's what those contractions are doing. They're trying to spit out the baby in in layman's terms. So yeah, they had me turned around on the back of the toilet to open up my pelvis to try and get the baby to sink further. Then from there, we started going up and down the stairs. I think the stairs was probably one of the worst parts. No, it was the second to worst part for me because we were doing side lunges. And I think I did three side lunges and I would collapse and I would have, I would have a contraction. Yeah. Yeah. I I want people to realize this is, this is in pretty intense agony at this point. I mean, this is late morning, I believe. Yeah. It was- uh, yeah. And you were in some serious, I mean, th- this was painful for, for me to watch. I think, I think that's when the transition was happening for me, but I still in my head was thinking this isn't transition. This, this isn't hard enough, even though it was hard, it was hard. But I, like I said, I had this platform of how hard it was supposed to be. Wow. Um, so I remember after we did the stairs, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired at this point. I've been doing this for 12 hours, 16 hours, and I'm just, I'm starting to get tired. And I remember they told me to lay down on the bed and try and get some rest and laying down was extremely uncomfortable. I wanted to stand up. So anytime you would shift from a position, whether it was floor to the toilet, toilet to the floor, floor to the bed bed to the stairs, whatever it was, it was uncomfortable. But once you got to that next position, you would figure out a way to get comfortable. If comfortable is even a term that I should be using, but it would, it would be tolerable. Let's put it that way. So when they laid me down, I was, I, not only was I exhausted, but it was, it was uncomfortable. I, and then they wanted me to lift my knee up 
So the mile circuit is one of those things that's supposed to, you're supposed to do. If you haven't read about it and you're pregnant, you should read about it. But mile circuit is intended to, you know, get labor going, or if it stalls, that's what you do to, to re up things and get things moving. And I was resting with my knee up and I remember my entire perineum in between each that I was resting and then I would have a contraction within 60 seconds. I felt like I was falling asleep and then I was waking up to the most intense pressure where my perineum was almost, it felt like it was pulling out of like, it was going to, it was pushing itself out of my pelvis. If I can explain Mm -hmm. it that way. And my doula, I asked her to come sit with me and she was rubbing my back and I, she could feel it. Like she had her hand on my butt and she could feel my entire perineum just trying to shift out of my body. And I said, I think I'm ready to push. And that for me was okay. I have to be through the hard part. This, I had to have gone through. (laughs) Right. At this point, that I'm ready to push. Like, what is, what is going on? And, you know, as with in-home births and things of that nature, they don't encourage you to be checked or to do all those things because they don't want to give you any false sense of hope. They want you to listen to your body. They want you to just ride the wave. Some people can be checked and not get, not have a mental block. Like, oh man, I'm only three centimeters and I've been at this for 10 hours. Some people it's, you know, it it can go either way. So Mm -hmm. I, asked to be checked until that point. Right. Right. And at point, surprise, my original midwife was here. Yep. She came and that made a huge difference for me. I remember a weight being lifted when I knew that she was here. Yeah. Yeah. And they come in, they've got all their stuff. They've got the sheets, they've got their tools. They've got the whole <laughs> kit and caboodle. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And I guess to your point with that, you know, when we knew that we were, when my water broke the night before we set up the bed, right? So you put down a shower curtain and then you put down a sheet that you don't care about, uh, multiple shower curtains and you just, uh, they bring in everything from the, I also had multiple, uh, what are those blankets called? Receiving blankets. There we go. Uh, I had receiving blankets ready. I had, you know, washcloths ready and, um, Yeah. And I, so my doula went in and got my midwife and she came in to check me. And she said, you're ready. She said, you are plus two. She goes and plus three, the baby's out. And I went, Oh my God, here we go. So it's time to push. And, and, you know, it's so funny because everyone you're talking about the doula and the midwife and delivering in the home, which was a wildly incredible experience for me as just being able to be, you know, take a step back and watch you and watch these women interact with you and perform and do all these things to be by your side and coach you and give you the comfort. And you're doing all the things that you mentally prepared. It was such a while. We're doing it in the comfort of our own home. We're in our bedroom. We're in our family room for a little while. You're on the yeah. steps. You're back in the be- uh, bathroom. But it was in the comfort of our own home. There was two other women there with us at any given time and that was it me you and two other women and it was it was such a it was almost hard to believe because you feel like I, I felt like you should have been hooked up to a hospital bed with an iv drip in your arm and nurses coming in and out and pricking and prodding and this and that and it was so different and what i also find funny too babe is that almost everyone that we talk to says did you deliver what'd you do just fill up the bathtub with water (laughs) <laughs> that seems to be like a, another misconception of the whole situation. Well, and and to that point, I had asked my my midwife about that because 
I had read the benefits of a water birth and she had said that she doesn't like when first time moms, she doesn't prefer first time moms to do a water birth because she can't see and she doesn't want you to tear and she can control better when she's in the quote unquote danger zone. Like she calls it, Mm. uh, you're out of the water. She can see better. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So three thirty, it was give or take. And, um, she said you're plus two and this was, that was not, now it's time to push. And then you ended up having, uh, it, it was excruciating. I mean, for me to watch you push for three hours almost, that was a wild experience. <laughs> it is. Let's pause for one second so I can Let's grab pause the and then we'll come right back. Okay. We're back. So you said, so yeah, I was, I was saying that, that the, the whole experience, the three hours was excruciating to watch. So talk, talk us through what that was like for you. You know, I, it's crazy because it's, it's one of those things where you want to push when you feel the pressure, like you want to, right. So you want to push it away and it was intense, but it was oddly rewarding at the same time. Cause I could feel changes. I could feel, I could feel her moving and I knew that it was, you know, the pushing was getting me closer. Um, it was, I don't know how to articulate, um, I mean, as gross as it is, it's it's almost like when you have to make a bowel movement and you push it and it's you just feel a sense of relief. But but um, going through the process, because they have you moving around, you're in different positions, yeah. you're in the bathroom, you're back in the bedroom, you're on the floor, you're this, you're that. Yeah. They had you moving around just to see, because every woman apparently has different, it's easier to push depending on the, the position you're in. And this is one of the reasons why I didn't want an epidural in the hospital, because I had read that when one position isn't working, try another. And that was one of the biggest things that my midwife and doula also communicated and understood. And we were all on the same page that sometimes you end up on all fours pushing. Sometimes you're in a sitting on a stool type of position. Sometimes you're laying down. Sometimes you're standing up. And I think we checked all those boxes. Mm. Um you know, she, she was a big baby. So, you know, and And as you're, as you're going through that process, is it just, are you feeling at this point? Wow. Do you have those thoughts? Thank God this is happening at home as painful as the whole process is. Yeah. So, you know, at this point I'm, I'm, I'm tired, right? I'm tired, but I know that this is the most important part and I've gotten this far and I'll be damned if I'm giving up at this point. I'm not, we're going to do this. And so for me, I, I remember you could anticipate when you could feel when they were about to come. And I knew when it was about to come. And I mean, I was pushing hard. Yeah, I was hard. And she, because the baby was so big, I mean, my midwife had a crock pot full of warm washcloths that she would lay on me in between each contraction to keep the tissue soft and everything soft so that it could expand without any tearing. And we had olive oil on deck. I mean, it was, and they were coming, they weren't as frequent actually. They, you know, especially towards the end of my bushing in that third hour, they were starting to trail off a little bit. And I knew that that wasn't a good sign Um, but my midwife kept checking, you know, the baby's heartbeat, the baby was okay. She, she was, she was down. She was, she kept poking her head out and then coming back as you know. So it was one of those things where, 
you just have to be patient, but also intentional, right? Because you don't have all the time in the world once the baby's in the canal and it's coming out. Um, you have to be intentional, but patient at the same time. And I think that if I was in the hospital at that point, not think, I know, I would have had a vacuum or an episiotomy at that point to get her out. Mm. Baby comes out. It was wild. It was so <laughs> surreal. And she places no. the baby and she places that baby on your on your stomach, on your chest, <laughs> in the comfort of our own bed. Again, yeah. there's four of us there. What a wild moment. It was crazy. And everything that I had just experienced, you know, as far as all the different nooks and crannies of the house and how crazy I thought it would be to deliver a baby at home, but how how much in that moment I knew that I made the right decision. I was, I thought to myself, thank God I did it this way. Thank God. Thank mm. God wrote, you know, all of these people were here that were supposed to be here. You know, um, like you said, ended up really bonding with the backup doula. She was great. Um, she was so helpful. And my midwife was just amazing. She, she knew me inside and out. She knew when to tell me to push. She knew when I could take a break and, you know, I, I, I would do it again. It's crazy. I mean, even, you know, everyone talks about the ring of fire, the ring of fire and any woman that's pregnant that's listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm telling you that that is probably the most intense moment, but it's also gone just as fast as it, as it happens and that you can do it. And as long as you're mentally prepared and you have a great support system, it, it's, uh, and listen, I knew, I remember right before her head came out, the thought crossed my mind of, I might have to go to the hospital. I might have to be transferred because I'm exhausted and I don't know if I can do this any longer. And again, again, with that devil and angel on my shoulder, just like in the beginning, I said, no, 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 no. You, you made it this far. Let's go. And mm. And that was, and that was the final push. And I mean, you, you were obviously great towards the end. It was, you know, having you to you know, just small details. That's why I'm saying your support system is so good. I mean, the pushing for me, especially that last hour was so intense. I remember you saying, I saw veins in your chest and in your body that I've never seen before. I mean, I was turning shades of purple and I remember her telling me to breathe afterwards and to be, I need to breathe because my heart rate was elevating because I was fatigued. I didn't have a lot of fluids at that point because I was pushing for so long. And I just kept saying no, even though they were trying to push them, make me drink them. Um, but you know, it, it all worked out and she was there and it was just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that she was finally here. You and, you know, and you did it. You did it the way you wanted to do it. Yeah. You did it after all that hard work. All the nights of agonizing, nine months or seven and a half months of agonizing, essentially, until you made a decision. Yeah. And, and and moving forward with that decision with intention and mindfulness and commitment and doing it. And then and then actually going through the whole thing. And the baby's on you. She's checking everything. Baby's healthy. Uh, it was it's it had to be so surreal. Even just talking about it, it still is. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, she's she's on my chest. They're not ripping her away from me. No one's taking her away from me. 
They're checking her to make sure she's okay. She's crying. Everything's okay. We waited like an hour, I think, before they weighed her and measured her. And Well, they waited at least 45 minutes for me to even cut the umbilical cord, if I recall. Yes, because I wanted all the nutrients and her to have all of all of the things that she needed from. Hey, the bring, that back, bring that back a little closer to you, if you could. I yeah. want her to have all of the nutrients from the umbilical cord. Um, there's a lot of stem cells in there and such, and I didn't want to cut it too early. All of the home birth people, I'll believe that. So anyone that's doing a home birth, you won't have to worry about that. But, uh, yeah, you still got to cut the cord like you would in the hospital and all but of what that. What about for, for the people, the women that are listening to this, they're going, well, wait a second. So what happens? Does the doula, does the midwife, do these people stay with you overnight? How do you know the baby's okay? They're not giving, what about the injections and this and that? I mean, what, what, what is your take on all of that? Yeah. So, huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's the, the 45 minutes that she's, you know, laying on me and we're all just talking about how, what a crazy journey that just was. And, oh my gosh, it's a girl, you know, cause we didn't know what it was going to be. And they're cleaning up a little bit. The doula is helping me to latch the baby. Um, you know, they, they get me food immediately because they haven't eaten. So they want to make sure that I eat. And then shortly after, you know, the, the cord is cut, um, we wrap up the baby and they helped me shower and they cleaned up the entire bed, the entire bedroom. I mean, everything's disposable anyways, but towels, all of that, um, you know, they weigh her. If I were to want any vaccines, that's something that I would have to do with a pediatrician once I make that appointment. Um, but I didn't want that. So it was, and you that's know. It. So that was it. That, there's no, there's no questions. It's just, that's it. There's no yeah. reason for it. You don't, you felt strongly about it. There's no reason yeah. to, to shoot the baby up with anything and let, let the baby just be. And that yeah. Was it. yeah, I just, I felt, and, and you know, we, we had prepared to, if it was a boy for what we were going to do for that route. So I think as long as you and your partner, whoever you're with discuss what you want to do, so be it. Um, but, you know, I believe that God created babies with or without certain levels or low levels or high levels of things for reasons. And if you do enough research, you'll, you'll see why, and it all makes sense. But, um, everything from that standpoint was great. And, you know, the team left probably after, I don't know, a couple hours. Yeah. They're three. there for three or four hours, three or four hours post delivery. Yeah. And the whole, whole place was cleaned up. And you and I went to bed literally that <laughs> night with a little newborn next to our bed. No, she was, actually oh yeah right she was with you in the bed she was laying on my chest laying on your chest yeah yeah and we, we were right there we were right there and the, it was the wildest thing they they picked up they cleaned mm -hmm. up it was a surreal experience you yeah. were incredible and super inspirational and then all of a sudden it was quiet we were in our own home it was like like nothing had ever happened it was it was insane and it was so comforting and i remember my midwife telling me that usually the first night with a newborn is the night you're going to get the most sleep because they're equally as tired from their journey to come into this world. And I remember we all slept for six and a half hours that first night, which would have not happened if we were at the hospital, they would have woke us up every two hours, um, you know, feed the baby, this or that. And, you know, she was born big. She was nine too. But even then they said, you know, when she cries, she's probably going to be hungry. So offer her food and, 
you know, she latched right away. So that was great. I didn't have any issues. And that's what we did. I just followed her lead. Anytime she was upset, I would feed her. And the midwife came back two days later and then a week later and then at two weeks. So she does many in-home visits afterwards too. Um, I don't think I mentioned that in the beginning. Once you hit uh, your the last month with a midwife, an in-home midwife, she actually comes to you. You don't go to her office for a once a month appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, she the comfort of your home so that you guys can get more familiar, talk about your birth plan and kind of get a sense for how the whole thing's going to happen. We're getting close to finishing up. Um, all of this was so, uh, what's the word? It, it had such an impact on you yeah. that you said to me afterwards, like, I really, I, I feel just as much as I was called to do the in-home birth, I feel called to get into this line of work in some fashion. And you're now in the process of working to become a doula yourself. Yeah. I just really think that women all over don't realize how strong they are and that, you know, we were built to do this and our intuitions are usually right. And I think that modern medicine has its time and place, but for anyone that doesn't have a high risk pregnancy and that is, you know, even, thinking twice about it. We've been doing this for centuries, right? And I just want to encourage women, whether they choose to do a hospital birth or a home birth, um, to have, you know, if you're doing it in a hospital, a doula is helpful to make sure that your birth plan goes as close to what you want as possible and that you're heard and that in those vulnerable moments, there aren't interventions where there doesn't have to be. And I think that Every woman should have the right to feel the way that I did and someone to lean on that's knowledgeable and that you can be a team together. And I just think it's so impactful and it's, you don't have to have a birth horror story. And I, I, I wish that for everyone. Mm. Well, I'm so proud of you, babe, with what you've done and and the way you handle the whole situation. And like I said, beyond inspirational uh, in, in so many ways. Uh, if there's women that are listening to this that want to hear more, learn more, talk, have a conversation, work with you eventually, uh, we can we can link your email up in the show notes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Email, Instagram. Um, you know, I'm happy to help anybody, even if they're on the fence about wanting to have a home birth. Um, you know, how do you convince the people around you? Or maybe you don't tell them. I mean, I didn't even tell my own mom and I actually think she would have been supportive. I just didn't want to go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just, anybody, even just random questions, I'm happy to help anybody in any facet. Um, it's, it's truly something that I'm passionate about. And I think that this has really just opened up a whole new a whole new vision for me. Mm, beautiful stuff, babe. Uh, we've linked your email in the show notes, lindsay.walters at ymail.com. We'll also link your Instagram account for any uh, any women that want to learn more or that just want to have a conversation with you about it. Um, I know you're happy to help. Absolutely. Uh, incredible stuff. I don't know if there's anything you want to finish with, anything we missed, anything I missed, final thoughts. Oh. I think, I think we touched on it on just about everything, but yeah, I think that anybody can, uh, anybody there can she do is. it. The baby's making noise over there. Yeah. Anybody um, can do it. Anybody can do it. If you put your mind to it and you prepare for something, you can do it. 